You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular, I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Uh, browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah. The man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, coach it in pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Whoa. Fantasy round table come take a look at the crown baby go what is going on everybody we have made it through six weeks in the nfl season and our fantasy seasons i truly hope and pray that your fantasy seasons are doing better than mine because i am in a repeat of 2019 and it has not been fun for me whatsoever Matt, how was uh, how's your Tuesday going, and how are your fantasy teams doing so far this year? You know, it's a mixed mixed bag on uh, fantasy teams. I <clears throat> I think I have one team that's undefeated still, um, but I fortunately don't have any winless teams. I'm kind of excited about Scott Fishball. I was 0-3 there, and I've won uh, three straight, I believe, to come back to, to even that up. You know, I just didn't want to have a terrible showing. Um, but I'm definitely doing better than Andy Dalton stands this morning yeah i feel like uh my fantasy teams are andy dalton stands right now it's not good i was about to look really quick to see i'm pretty sure i lost my scott fishbowl matchup this week by a few points so that drops me to two and four yes i did lose so i'm going to continue uh, by, by 10 points to the best team in our he dark the roto viz neil dutton who is undefeated so i guess that brings me some peace that i lost to probably the best team in our division but yeah, it's not yeah, looking good. I'm, not, not. I'm and he, took a, he took a zero from Andy Isabella and Nikhil Harry and Mike Gusecki and still beat me by 20 points. So that doesn't make me feel good at all, actually. These are 12-team leagues, right? Yes. So I'm in. I'm 3-3, three and three, but I'm in eighth place. So it's not exactly 
that incredible. It looks like uh, there's two five and ones, four four and twos, two three and threes, and then four one and fives. So. Yeah, mine is. I've got a whole bunch of one, two, three, four, five, four and twos, one, two, three, four, three and threes, and then I'm at two and four. And then we have two one and fives. So, I guess it could be worse. Not thrilled. I mean, obviously Baker's negative five points didn't help me. I was I was kind of hoping on Matt Stafford giving me a good year. Of course, Mark Ingram being my RB two has really not helped out. The one saving grace for me has been Kittle, who again this week got me thirty plus points. Was really the only reason I stayed in that game against the best team, at least in our division. Uh, there in Neil Dutton, is it he? No, never mind. He's not the best. He's like fifth, sixth, seventh. He's a spot above me. I take that back. So I thought he was a lot better than that. It was Angelo, who's actually really good, a uh, really good analyst. Don't think he's one of the highest scoring teams. So, yeah, I feel like I'm gonna come back. What's killing me right now is I don't have great wide receiver depth, and you have to play three receivers. Like the last yeah. week, I probably would have been even better if I would have been able to play another running back or tight end. But when Scotter comes back, he'll be pretty good. George Kittle, you and you and I are both riding the Kittle train. And my quarterbacks have kind of come back to life. Carson Wentz was really rough at the beginning. But um, I'm actually excited this week. He might be he might be back into top twelve territory with Don't. the uh, don't don't remind me. I dropped Carson Wentz for Baker because I thought they were going to have to throw and he was going to put up points. And in the league that I needed Zeke to beat Drake last night, I lost by 15 points with Baker's seven. And uh, Carson Wentz is 27 in that league. So if I had just rolled with Wentz, I would have won. I'm just – it's been a bad year. Bad year of questioning – I'm, well, I'm questioning life decisions right now with, with well, the way I handle my fantasy teams. We'll get to it, but – I benched Drake everywhere I had him, too, because he, he had looked like poo. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny. I posted a little thing on uh, Twitter this morning about that, actually. My brother was down 46-point-something points going into that second Monday night uh, game yesterday, and he had Christian Kirk and, and Kenyon Drake, and that's – well, we'll save it. We'll save it for that yeah. because, yeah. All right, so the first game was Chiefs-Bills. Uh was a pretty good de- – I thought it was a decent game. I finally got my satellite to work right about halftime. So I was able to watch the whole second half of that. And obviously it was really good game right up until probably the end of that fourth quarter where the Chiefs were able to complete that big third down and they got in a field goal territory, kicked the field goal, pretty much ended it. I really see. didn't like what happened with uh, Stephon Diggs there at the end. I thought that was kind of – I understand you're losing, man, but come on, walking back to the line. I never liked teammates who did that crap. Uh, but Mahomes, 20 points. CEH, 20 points. Uh, Darrell Williams, 11. Tyree Kill, 5. And Travis Kelsey, 21. With Watkins out, Hardman doesn't get a lot of traction. What do you think his ceiling is here in this offense? Yeah, I think it's bad because, you know, he thought I, – I had actually written in the preview yesterday I liked Hardman as potentially a sneaky play there because – Watkins is out. We'd seen Hardman have a couple of touchdowns, seemed to get a lot of run. Demarcus Robinson got far more snaps. Um, he ended up actually being their most productive wide receiver just because they were able to take Tyreek Hill kind of out of it. But that's not the first time this has happened with Hardman, and I think we had talked about he might be better next year if they move on from Watkins. Now I'm not so sure. It seems like there's something about his profile. I saw somebody on Twitter last night put he's really more of a gadget receiver and will always be that. 
if that's the case, you know, taking him thinking he's going to be kind of like a wide receiver too in a high-volume Chiefs offense may not pan out. I mean, people had – that can always change. You know, there was a lot of talk that Tyree Kill was kind of a gadget receiver and a big play kind of specialty play guy when he first came out, and he's developed into a pretty consistent receiver. But it definitely gives me a moment to pause. If you can't start him, if he's not even getting the snaps, it's not like he was – not healthy or not able to haul in his targets. He's not getting the snaps. A guy like Demarcus Robinson is getting that gives me a moment of pause. Yeah, I mean, I've been saying most of the year that I think next year could be the year for him if uh, Watkins moves on. I know, uh, I think Demarcus Robinson uh, is in. He he signed a one year deal, I think, earlier in the offseason, yeah, so they both could be gone. We'll see. I mean, it's obviously not promising, but he also did this last year, too. Granted, he was a rookie last year. He has those couple big games and nothing for a while, then a couple big games. I mean, really, I think in this offense, outside of Hill and Kelsey, I do think everybody is going to be boomer bust because those are his first two reads outside of Mahomes. I don't see yeah. this ever being a offense where you where you i don't see this being like a seattle where you can play lockett and metcalf in most weeks both those guys will come through for you i think this is always going to be kelsey and one wide receiver you know that's true i think what's more discouraging is the snap count he had about like half the snaps of demarcus robinson so you know when he's got half the snaps of sammy watkins you you roll with it uh but when watkins is out he's not the guy that comes in yeah which is why I question, you know, if if they move on from Watkins, we I don't think there's a guarantee he's the guy that goes into that role. Um, for Ceh, he obviously looked good uh, as well in this one. A lot of work on the ground, and uh, the Chiefs obviously ran a lot as well to get after this Buffalo defense. How do you think that is going to work now with Bell coming in? We saw the reports yesterday that. No, the CH is still the starter. Bell was tweeting out stuff about how excited he was to get going uh, during the game. What are your thoughts with Bell coming in here, how that's going to work between the two of them? When you saw them use a couple of running backs and use them uh, interchangeably, Williams was back in there getting a lot of work, ends up getting the kind of long touchdown. Um, So I think they're both going to get work. Uh, That's another reason, though, Bell coming on that is even more reason to be unsure and to fade some of these wide receivers because a lot of the talk that we've heard from them and in the signing is Bell's a great passing game weapon. That's what he always was with Pittsburgh, and that could be something that distinguishes him. We've noticed a little bit that CEH seems to be more the guy that they're giving the ball to run with. He's in there less on passing downs and less featured as a pass catcher. And I think that could be a place where they're looking at somebody like Le'Veon Bell, who's a veteran, who's a bigger back. The other thing that will be interesting is to see if CEH starts seeding the red zone goal line work, because there's been a lot of talk about him being smaller. He hasn't had a lot of success on carries. Bell is bigger and has been very successful, even with the Jets, on goal line carries. Yeah, I think for me, that's probably where I would think they're going to use him more often than not. We talked about it a little bit. It was either yesterday or sometime last week, probably Thursday's pod, where that was really kind of when the news was becoming a big deal of, of him leaving. We kind of talked about some of the places we thought he could go. I, I do think that they will use him more in the passing game. I, I would maybe not in Bell's prime, but I would say it's fair to say at this point from what I've seen from Bell the past couple seasons – 
Uh, CEH is a better runner of the ball right now than him. The, the way that he hits holes, the way he makes defenders miss, and, and in all honesty, his contact balance for a guy that size. I mean, the way he just kind of rolls off defenders that time is very impressive. So I do think they'll use him there more, and I do agree. Down in the red zone, Bell will definitely get work because for whatever reason, CEH – we shouldn't say he can't score. He's gotten multiple touchdowns. They keep calling him back, but it's nothing that's really down in the red zone. It seems to be long touchdowns. Longer. He's not getting a lot, uh, a lot of work in the red zone. That may just be due to his size, where I do think Bell will, can probably come in there and do something with – sorry, I was looking at the Mark Ingram thing. Um, probably do or be better there down in the red zone than CEH has been. On the Bills side here, Allen, 15 points, Singletary, 5, Diggs, 16, and Colt, Beasley, 14. Uh, the running game here looked poor. Do we trust either Singletary or Moss every single week as uh, weekly starters? I do not. Um, you know, we didn't see Singletary exactly explode or seize on it even when he had um, seemingly the role to himself. It seems like they're going to use a couple of guys no matter what because we saw Yeldon get involved uh, the week prior. And neither of them is a lock uh, or even a Great bet for goal line carries. Buffalo seems to be trying to throw the ball more uh, with their wide receivers. It's it's been tough sledding. Um, you know, I think you'd be lucky to get low end RB two production from those guys. They feel like more RB three, RB four territory. Yeah, and I think in all honesty, one of the things that's hurting them is not having Josh Allen run like he did last year. It, it really, I think, kind of limits not even just the the receiving game or not the the running game, but also the receivers as well. I was kind of having this argument with a bunch of Baltimore Ravens fans yesterday because I was arguing that, in my opinion. Last year, yes, Lamar Jackson had a great year, but if you go and look at it, it played one of the easier schedules. He put up a lot of his fantasy points and production against bad opponents. If you go and look at the good teams outside of the New England game where he was amazing in that New England game, I can't take anything away from that. He was good against San Francisco, but not life-changing or anything. He was good on the ground. Passing yards, he barely put up over 220 yards against most teams last year, except for the really bad teams, the Dolphins, the Browns twice. Like, Outside of the bad teams, he did not put up a lot of points, and his completion percentage was really bad in some of those games outside of the games where he played the bad opponents. Where my argument was this year, Josh Allen stated earlier in the year he didn't want to run as much anymore. He wanted to be able to win games from the pocket. He didn't want to, to just be a running quarterback, and his accuracy has improved. That's the one thing you can say. From year one to two to three, he has gotten better. And So that was my biggest argument was Josh Allen has improved over the past three years where I think like Lamar – Obviously, that first year, I'm not going to count too much again. He kind of got no. thrown in for Flacco, and he was raw coming out of college. Year two, it looked like he took this huge leap forward, but I think if you really look at the stats, he didn't take quite as big a leap forward as we thought throwing the ball. And then this year, I think we're starting to see that exposed a little bit. Now, again, Lamar Jackson is top 10, I would say, at worst, quarterback in the NFL, quarterback for fantasy. I'm not trying to say anything bad about Lamar Jackson, my argument is I see more progression out of Josh Allen than I do out of Lamar Jackson. That caused a lot of people to get upset. All that coming back to, I do think he needs to run more, though. I, I don't think you – it's almost like Russell Wilson when he said the same thing a couple years ago. They're like, ah, oh, no, I'm just going to worry about throwing the ball. That's such a huge part of his game, though. I'm not saying run it on every other down or anything like that, but – if the defense knows that you're not going to take off that much, it, it eliminates part of how dangerous you can be on the field. And I do think that's hurting the receivers just a little bit because it seems like he's 
just trying to stay in the pocket instead of there's a couple times yesterday that he could have just taken off and he probably should have. And I get why he's trying to limit that, but I do think that's hurting the offense overall, especially for Allen's value. Yeah, but I mean, he still has been running some and he's still gotten some goal line carries. I, the last couple of weeks, though, the the passing has fallen off a little bit. I mean, you look at him last night, he was through four weeks, he was something around 70% uh, completion last night. He's 14 and 27. That's pretty close to 50%, um, you know, only through for 122 yards. He did run eight times for 42 yards. He's actually their, their leading rusher. It just, I don't know if it's getting behind playing different teams, the way they're, they're scheming it. The last two weeks he hasn't looked uh, comfortable. Tennessee just really took, seemed to take him out of everything he was trying to do. And last night, uh, Kansas City did a pretty good job of bottling him up too. Yeah, and I'm, I mean, I don't know. Obviously, I've not never played in the NFL. I mean, I've played in rain before, but um, there was a lot of talk about that too. That the it may have had something to do with the weather. I mean, Patrick Mahomes didn't look all that great either at times in that game. I don't know how much the weather may have affected him, but I do agree. It's been two weeks. We've kind of seen a little bit of a slide for Allen, and you could also argue. The same thing I was just saying about Lamar Jackson last year. He's actually played two good opponents the past couple of weeks, and he's kind of regressed a little bit. So is it one of those things he's been putting up the stats and looking good against inferior opponents compared to now he's played two good opponents, and that's where he struggled? Uh, let's see here with uh, – I guess I really don't have anything else on there. I, I don't trust Singletary or Moss either, unfortunately. So the next game – which turned out to be uh, a complete dud, unfortunately. I was really hoping for a better game. Arizona yeah. 38 over Dallas 10. Kyler Murray 28. Kenyon Drake 28. Christian Kirk 22. And DeAndre Hopkins 9 points. I mean, if you're just a, a if you're just looking at the box score, you look you wake up this morning, you look at it, you say, holy shit, Kenyon Drake balled out. Didn't have that great of a game outside of the, which I didn't even see because I think with whatever time was left, I realized I was going to lose by six points this week instead of four. Yippee for me. And I was like, I'm done. Turned my TV off and went to bed to wake up to find out that Kenyon Drake ran like a 64-yard touchdown in the closing minutes of the game or whatever, which what I was saying beforehand ended up actually winning my brother a huge game in our home dynasty league. He was down 46-something points and had Kenyon Drake and Christian Kirk. And with that Kenyon Drake run, he won by 2.2 points. So he ended up winning based on that run. I imagine there's a lot of other people who ended up winning or getting boned by that as well with that Kenyon Drake run. Well, so, you know, huge run aside, that's what puts him way over 100, gives him a second touchdown. He was actually doing not too bad. I think he had before that around 90 yards and a touchdown, uh, you know, on like 15 carries. He, so we've talked about it. He's been getting the volume in terms of snaps. Yeah. He just doesn't seem to be as productive with what he was getting. Last night, he was super productive with what he's getting. We have seen him in games that should have been good matchups for a running back, not have great productivity. Dallas obviously has some defensive issues. It's to me, it's still a little hard to trust. Yeah. Uh, you know, but they franchise tagged him, which means they, they liked him. We've seen him be productive there. They, you know, going into last night, the Monday night football announcers noted that Arizona was sixth in rushing the football. A big piece of that is Kyler Murray, and he's always going to run. Edmonds is going to be in there. 
But if Drake can be productive with his opportunities, he's getting enough volume that he should at least be an, an RB2. Yeah. Yeah, and that, I think that's, you know, as you mentioned, we've already kind of talked about that a little bit. Some of it I do think he's not getting any passing game work, which is really hurting him. It seems to all be going to Chase Edmonds. They're just running using him to run the ball, and Arizona's offensive line is still not very good. And so that could be affecting him a little bit. Where we saw last year he got a lot of work in the receiving game, and that helped him getting him out in space. And he, he's a back where if you get him out in space, he's shifty enough to make you miss. It's not necessarily getting that. Obviously, Dallas's defense is one of those that uh, a, a get-well game, so to say. So it, not surprising that he had a good game here. Speaking of get well games, Christian Kirk finally shows up in a big way. Are you buying into that at all, or is it just the Dallas defense? No, I mean he got a goal, a, a red zone touchdown for six yards. Okay, and then he breaks an eighty-yard bomb. So I mean he looks great because he puts, he gives you what eighty-six yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, but it came on two plays. So you know, I don't know that that's enough volume. Um, Kyler didn't, you know, from the parts that I was watching, he didn't have a ton of, uh, he didn't have a ton of completions, yeah, uh, which I think is what, which was what hurt Hopkins a little bit because Hopkins kind of a volume guy. Um, but you know, hats off if you, if you had the guts to start Christian Kirk, hats off to you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It paid off. It paid it off in paid a big off. way. Yeah, I mean, I, I started Drake last night, even though I didn't want to. It ended up winning one by, I think, 10 points. Um, I mean, I, yeah, so it would have been that run, too, as well, that actually got me the win in that league to move me to another 3-3 three and three league, which it seems like almost all of my teams are right now. I, I have one team that is doing good that is now 5-1 and because I lost last night by... I don't remember because they had Christian Kirk as well. They had Christian Kirk and Andy Dalton. It's very weird scoring because somehow Andy Dalton put up 33 points, and I don't understand that because Andy Dalton was nowhere near 33 points good. But he ended up coming back and beating me by six points, Christian Kirk and Andy Dalton, which I was thrilled about. Really, is really. It, is Andy Dalton the LM? Maybe he came in and did some adjustments. Nah, I don't think so. There was a very big controversy about that. I'll get your opinions. I know you play on a bunch of ESPN leagues, but we'll save that for, for the end here. So Dallas, Dalton, 11 points. See, that makes no sense. Uh, I'm not even going to get to it. Dalton, 11 points. Zeke, 12. Amari Cooper, 20. Lamb, 13. And Dalton Schultz, 7. That uh, 11 Cowboys, points is ESPN standard scoring, too, which is PBR. This is, yeah, this is on Yahoo. So, um, Very interestingly, in the fact that I guess that, that uh, well, I don't have a choice. That's where they want to play. I just play on it because that's where they want to play. Uh, the, the Cowboys looked horrible in this game, even though uh, Mike McCarthy said this is the best week of prep they've had all season. And now we hear all the reports about the Cowboys players coming out talking about how none of these coaches are prepared. They don't know how to make adjustments. They all pretty much just suck at their jobs. So, Dallas, what are we doing with them moving forward? I mean, it was really tough when Mike Nolan's wife said that about him, too. I'm sure, yeah. That's not <laughs> anything you want to hear from your significant <laughs> other. I mean, I don't know if... Uh... Now we know Andy Dalton not good in prime time, so yeah. maybe his first he had one game, win. One win. Yeah. I remember he got one win. Maybe his first game taking over for Dak shouldn't have been like a prime time Monday Night Football game. Yeah, but it seemed like he was okay in relief last week, and there was a thought that hey, here's a veteran guy who's always been pretty decent in fantasy, has arguably the best supporting cast he's ever had, should roll into 
good offensive production. Neither he or Zeke looked like they had ever played professional football in the first half. I mean, you don't see Elliott putting two on the ground very often either. Uh, and I know they were coming after Dalton, but he was having trouble connecting with these receivers. I do have a few legitimate concerns because with Dak, who was, you know, whether you like him or not, he was a top five fantasy quarterback and he was yeah. the the rising tide that lifts all boats for those receivers unless you had Michael Gallup. But now, you know, it did not look good at times. You know, Lamb ends up with enough volume to give you an okay day. Cooper ends up with enough volume to give you an okay day and gets gets the touchdown down there. Um, but they they did not look very good, and so far this coaching change does not look very good. And despite all that, Dallas is still in freaking first place. And that game, the game Thursday night between the Giants and the Eagles and Sunday between Washington and Dallas is going to determine who's in first place. If the Eagles win Thursday and Washington wins on Sunday, Sunday. the Eagles will be back in first place, which feels wrong. But if Dallas wins... They'll be in first place, which feels weird. If the Giants win and the and Washington wins, I think Washington goes to first place, which feels. I mean, it's ridiculous. The Cowboys will look this bad. Two and four got completely blown out. Still in first place. I mean, I wouldn't hate it. I did pick the Eagles to win the division, so I'm 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 hoping for for my things to come true. I mean, hey, I you know. I've said it, and I'm going to continue to say it. I was not a big fan of the Mike McCarthy hire. I, I didn't want the Browns to hire him because I thought the whole ESPN piece on how they're analytically driven now, man, Tigers don't change their stripes. Is that how the saying goes? He's he's just too old school. He's not going to move more toward that analytic style. He's just not. And I'm not trying to say that Mike McCarthy's a bad coach. He He had a very good run in Green Bay. He was a very good coach for a very long time. I did not think it was a good fit for him coming to Dallas. Maybe he'll prove me wrong, but so far it seems like I'm going to be right on that call. It, it doesn't. That's why I didn't want him to go to Cleveland. I just did not think he was a good fit. I was all in on Stefanski. I don't even remember who was in on that. Who else was in on the Cowboys job? But I, I just, yeah, I, I don't well, see this working out. And I'm glad that the, you know it's it made sense they kept Kellen Moore as their offensive yeah. coordinator because he had had something going. I don't understand why they didn't try to keep Rod Marinelli because it seemed like. Dallas's problem last year was some of those bigger coaching decisions of time management and and crucial game management situations. Yeah. And from that standpoint, I understood moving on from Garrett, who seemed to repeatedly get stuck in the same place and didn't seem to be motivating the players. But this defense, with potentially better personnel, looks much worse. Well, that's the interesting thing, right? Because I, I was talking to somebody about this the other day because I, I can't remember what I was listening to, but they were talking about this because I guess Mike McCarthy and Mike Nolan go way back. They've known each other forever, and, and they were part, of, again, with that ESPN piece about that whole thing. He brought that whole coaching staff with him that was in that piece to Dallas. Mike Nolan, outside of one year in San Francisco, one year in San Francisco he had a top-10 defense. Outside of that, he has never finished higher than 25th in defense and it doesn't look like they're going to be much better. I mean, they did lose a couple pieces. I know, you know, losing 
Leighton Vander isn't going to be the isn't the only thing that that kills you. But they lost a couple guys in the back, and I mean Vander going out in week one. Their defense still didn't look great when Vander was out there. That they haven't lost enough though, I would think, to make this defense as bad oh. as it looks now. And Vander was back last night, and this was yeah. arguably one of their worst games. Yeah, so it, it's I don't know what they're going to do. I mean. I'm not going to lie and pretend like it really hurts me or bothers me that uh, that they're struggling because it does, and I love it. Love every minute of it. But uh, it'll be interesting. It's going to be, you know, the first to six, I think, is going to win the NFC East, it feels like, which is crazy, right? Think about they that. They can even get to six. You're going to have someone like the Cowboys. I saw a bunch of people talking about this, and it, it does seem incredible. You could have the Cowboys ending up winning the division with five or six wins and being a top 15 pick and possibly getting Dak back. So you're talking about like what San Francisco did a couple years ago when they lost Jimmy G to injury. They finished with the second overall pick, get Nick Bosa, who changes that defense, right? Add another guy onto that defensive line. They go in to make a run to the Super Bowl the next year. They bring Dak back and say they get a really good defensive player because they need it. Now, then again, Jerry Jones could go draft another wide receiver there like you did with C.D. Lamb because he's an idiot. They go and draft a huge defensive player. They're all of a sudden Dallas is extremely dangerous next year. So it may not be a bad thing. Bad division. Hey, when your division still get a top 15 pick, things could still work out for Dallas. But it, you can't win your division and get a top 15 pick. Don't think so. What it would be top 16, so 17? 14 out of 32 will make the playoffs. Right. So that leaves 18. Pick 18 would be the last team out of the playoffs. Playoff picks 18. would start at 19. Uh, and if you and it it does go by record. So if you have the, yeah. the worst record and you lose in wild card weekend, they'll you lose. Could potentially, you could potentially be picked 19. And I know it's not that far back, but that is a little bit further back. Yeah, it's further back than 14, 15, so, or what? Top 15. Yeah, so I'll give you that. Four, four, four. But I mean, yeah, there. I, I would be astonished if they make it to the playoffs and they make it out of the first round. Now, I yeah. guess anything's possible. Well, but. that's what you're saying. First to six wins the division. We're six weeks in, which means we're we're kind of more than a third of the way yeah. through. And three of those teams only have one win in six weeks. Dallas is the only one with two. So getting to six, you're saying five out of the next ten games. That's, Do you know what the, the that's other a much crazy better thing clip was? than what they're averaging? Just thinking about that, they have two wins, right? And they mm-hmm. shouldn't have won either one of those games either. <laughs> they should be winless right now. That's how well, bad that team if is. If Nick Mullins hadn't given it away, Philly'd be winless too. I mean, that's it's been bad times for the, AFC, yeah. the NFC East. I'm just saying there's only actually 10 games left. So if yeah. you're saying any of those teams is getting to six, Dallas would have to go four, four. out of 10, yeah. which, which they haven't shown a great proclivity for. But the Eagles would have to go five out of 10. That's like a 50-50. And we've seen them get hot, and they're going to play some division games. Well, but, see, that's that's where I think that maybe they can, they can take a – take a couple wins here i mean dallas if they can win because i don't think they haven't played any division games yet have dallas, they dallas beat the giants the giants okay. and washington beat the well I'm, I'm more worried about dallas because i think they're yeah. they're going to end up winning it so they've got three more games left one two three four they've got five games against five the games division. left so there you go all they gotta two, do is win those five two right against there. the eagles one against the Giants, Giants two game. against That's Washington, right. and they play so, Washington this week. I mean, we're getting some more division games. I'm just 
There you go. When you start thinking about you say six, oh, that should be easy to get to. But then you actually start to think a team that's one and five would then have to go five and five to get to six and ten. Oh, I don't. Well, that's why I don't. As much as I'd love Philly to win it, because that's who I picked to win. I don't think. I do think Dallas is going to be the ones winning because they already have the one game advantage. So if they can win their five division games, they'll be set. They'll be good to go. Although I feel bad now because I did make a bet today with someone on Twitter that they'll get to eight and eight. That feels kind of impossible now that I think about that. I, w- I didn't really realize how late into the season we were. Uh, yeah, Wavers. because to get you, you thought Philly would get to eight and eight. No, Dallas. I thought I thought I said yeah. I thought Andy Dalton could get to eight and eight. I I, I was like I'm taking last night's performance out of it. So really they basically would have to go six and four. Yeah, the game wasn't as. I think if Zeke doesn't fumble on those back-to-back drives and immediately kind of take them out of their entire game plan, it's a different game. It's one of those things where it was just a bad game. They got punched in the mouth. There's nothing you can do. I don't think Dalton is as bad as he showed last night. God, let's hope not. Yeah. Uh, We're talking waivers really quick because we also had some big NFL news. I want to spend the rest of the podcast talking about that. So QBs, the top three that I found on there, Carson Wentz, who's still 59%, so he might not be available, but he is someone we were just talking about earlier, has actually played well despite not having anybody around him. Jimmy Garoppolo at 27%, and of course, the big news that we will get to here at the end, Tua Tugavioa, who has been announced the starter for Week 8. This will be the week you're likely going to have to pick him up, even though he is going into a buy. He is rostered on 7% of rosters. How would you kind of attack these three? So I think Wentz is a great pickup, especially for this week, going against the Giants. I know he's, his receivers are beat up, but that hasn't really seemed to matter. He's been kind of doing it with rushing, uh, supplementing, and you know I think they'll, they'll need him. Uh, and the Giants are not a tough defense, so he would be the one I'd grab. Jimmy G is interesting. I liked what I saw on Sunday. I don't know if I totally trust it. I wouldn't have to want to rely on him as a starter. And right now, I am not rostering Tua. Why not? Dynasty, he should be rostered. Um, But if we're talking about redraft, we have not seen enough from him. And he doesn't come back uh, to the easiest matchup. I... I know you were. I was frankly surprised they made the switch. Yeah. Um, I think he may have some growing pains. People are just looking at how Herbert rolled in and was good to go. Uh, and But we've even seen Joe Burrow have some, some struggles the last few weeks. Tua's going to have to play into it. Um, I just don't – I'm not picking him up and relying on him to start. I think there's so many other options. That's what I'm going for. Uh, running back is kind of uh, pitiful, I guess is the easiest, politest way to put it. It's not good. The best available that I could see were Giovanni Bernard, who is rostered in 6% of leads, Jeremy McNichol, 1%, Jamichael Hasty, 1%, and, of course, Tevin Coleman, 22%. Uh, Hasty and Coleman obviously both on the 49ers with McKinnon, but we did get the news today that Mostert is likely going to be put back on IR again and be out for a lengthy amount of time. How would you attack I know. How would you attack these running backs? Um, so they were pretty clear that Coleman's not going to be available this week, okay. which means if you're picking him up, you're doing it because you're looking at week eight or beyond. If you need somebody to play this week, I'm actually going with Hasty. Um, he okay. seemed to be a guy that they were turning to to run the ball, even with Jarek McKinnon being available on Sunday after Mostert got hurt. So I think he's probably a guy that's out there. That's the one I'm taking my swing on. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think it would be hasty. Uh, I would still go Coleman. We've seen him have, again, He's just like I mentioned with Tua, if, if he's someone you want, you're going to have to grab him this week, even though he won't be back because chances are someone else will take a shot on him and just roster him. So if there's any way you can drop an extra defense, extra tight end, whatever you're doing, if you've got Hayden Hurst, Mike Kosicki, they're droppable. Just get rid of them. Uh, Baker Mayfield, you can get rid of them. Uh, just drop them, pick up Coleman. You'll have to stash him for a week, but I do think once he comes back, especially as we mentioned with Mostert being out for as long as it likely looks like he's going to be, Coleman could be a, a worthy play here. At wide receiver, uh, Brashad Perriman, 8%, Travis Fulgham, 47%, Darnell Mooney, 2%, and then Jalen Rager, 14%. Now, Rager, they're saying the same thing. I believe that they're saying the best chance he comes back week eight or week nine. So you're still waiting a couple weeks to get Rager back. Yeah, he hasn't even started practicing because I looked at Philly's yeah. practice report and he's not on there. Um, Fulgham definitely should yeah. go to even even more than before because no Ertz. Yeah. He's got Richard Rodgers. Who knows about Jackson or Alshon Jeffrey? Greg Ward exists. Um, good for him for existing. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, there's not a lot of options there in Philly. Miles Sanders also gone. Um, I'm surprised Boston Scott wasn't on your list. He must be super heavily he, I'm pretty heavily sure rostered. he is. I'll look him up. He would be another one if you need somebody this week and you're kind of desperate. He's a he's a this week because it's a good matchup, not because he's uh, done a lot to earn your trust. 26% rostered. So, yeah, he, he should have been on that list. I honestly kind of forgot so, about So, uh, you know, Rager's an interesting stash if you have space. I'm staying away from Perriman because it looks like they may actually have Joe Flacco again and the Jets' passing offense is the well of sadness. And Mooney bears the same way. It just Mooney, Miller, Graham, Komet now. Somebody's yeah. going to have receptions, but they're not putting up the volume. And Nick Foles does not look like the second coming of Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, uh, I'd pretty much be the same way. For me, Fulgham and then Rager. Again, Rager, same thing as I mentioned with Coleman and Tua. You're going to have to hold them for, I think, at least two weeks. Uh, what I heard on SiriusXM this morning is they're targeting week nine. So you're going to have to wait two weeks, more than likely. But we've already seen what Travis Fulgham can do, and he's proven, in my opinion, that he he can be a very good NFL wide receiver. Jalen Rager has more talent. If, if they get a guy like him available now on the outside with Fulgham, I think Rager can put up a ton of numbers here. So he's if he's available, you know, maybe you can wait one more week, uh, if, especially like as Matt just mentioned there. He's not even on practice reports right now. So if people are looking at that, they're like, oh, he's still not practicing. Don't worry about it. So you might be able to wait until next week to pick him up. But if you've got the spot now, I always recommend trying grabbing that player now so you don't have to wait um, or you don't have to risk it the next week in case, you know, if next Monday something comes out like, hey, Rager's practicing and he's going to play this week. And all of a sudden you're like, well, shit, waivers are on Wednesday and now I'm going to be fighting for however many other people may want him. Uh, a couple other guys that should be out there less than 50 percent. Keelan Cole looked like he had something going uh, for Jacksonville. Wouldn't be a bad. And then um, I think I saw at least on ESPN, Tim Patrick's at 27%. I feel like he's the number one receiver for Denver right now. Yes, I agree. Keelan Cole is 39% rostered. Patrick, 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 Patrick. Tim Patrick, 28%. So, yeah, he's they're, they're both available. I would go Patrick over any of them if I'm being yeah. – if, if I have to pick one, it'd be well, Patrick Ful for me. Fulgham and then Patrick for me just because 
you know, Fant should come back, Gordon potentially coming back. There are other people to throw to. Eagles literally have nothing this week. Yeah. Uh, tight ends, uh, Logan Thomas, 14%. Anthony Ferkser, 1%. Now, put him on there only if Janu misses. If Janu misses yeah. the game, then he is big for me. And then, obviously, Darren Fells, 6%. Same thing with me on Fells. It doesn't look like Aikens is still on the concussion protocol. If he's going to miss again, I'm grabbing Fells. If Janu's out, I'm grabbing Ferkser. I think both of those guys have a lot more upside than Logan Thomas. I haven't really bought into Logan Thomas all year, but he scored again this past week. So what are your thoughts on these three? I mean, the only reason you're taking a flyer on Thomas is because they're playing Dallas. Uh, But other than that, you know, Fells would be the one I'd target. And then Ferkser, if I knew Smith was going to miss, but it looks like right now he should be good to go, um, you know, then I'm, I'm less bullish on that. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. If John is in, you're you're kind of fading Ferks are there. All right, so the big news that came out earlier today, Matt's already mentioned it. I've talked about it as well. Adam Schefter came out and said that the Dolphins are going to uh, have Tua starting in week was week eight, right? Because they have yeah. the bye week this week. So week eight, when they come back from the bye against the Los Angeles Rams, we both mentioned we're kind of surprised by this. I mean, it's not like Ryan Fitzpatrick has been playing bad at all. I mentioned this, I think, last week, actually that the Dolphins have been in every single game they played outside of the New England Patriots game where they lost by 10 points. Outside of that, has been single-digit scores in all the ones and the other couple games that they've lost or the other two that they've lost. I, I mean, I guess those two passes were just that great looking. I, don't yeah. know, I didn't see them, but I mean, I, I just, I'm confused by this. What are your thoughts? I'm confused too. Could be a couple of things first the dolphins may not really be interested in trying to make the playoffs this year they might be because they've talked about they're still in kind of their rebuild process um but the other thing is maybe they're feeling some organizational pressure you know because we came into the season knowing burrow was going to start because cincinnati had cleared the decks but it didn't look like anybody else was really going to start right away maybe ease into it mid-season instead Herbert has to come out there starting in week two because of medical malpractice and lights the world on fire. So now there's been a, after a couple weeks of Herbert being out there and seeing what Burrow had done, which has been, was much better at the beginning than he's been the last couple weeks. There was a lot of talk, about when are we going to see Tua? How does he stack up? He was supposed to be the best and we're not even seeing him. Why can he not get on the field? So maybe Miami's feeling a little bit of pressure to go in I thought it was odd because Fitzmagic was playing really well, seemed to have a really good vibe with the team. They seemed like they were in a position to potentially make a run at the six or seventh seed. Yeah. Now, I, now I'm more cautious. You know, he only threw two passes. They were perfectly fine. The end of a blowout against the Jets. It was a great story for him to get on the field. Maybe they're trying to capitalize on that maybe they're just looking at it as we don't care if we make the playoffs if we do it's a bonus but we need to get this guy out there and get him involved either way it seemed sort of abrupt but if you're going to make the change we've always talked about during a bye week situation their bye was supposed to be much later in the season got pulled up with all the schedule reshuffling they were supposed to have a week 11 bye maybe the plan was always well when we get that to that bye we're going to turn it over and see what he can do at the end and now you know, if you want that extra time to install something and to install them as a starter, you got to do it during your buy, and maybe it's a result of this COVID shuffle. Uh, 
Your thoughts on Ryan Fitzpatrick possibly coming to Dallas? Because I did see everybody talking about that. I don't think Miami would move him, but I mean, and would, Dallas no. isn't going to make that move either. Yeah, yeah. I was. I mean, with knowing to his injury history, I think it would not be smart to move on from a guy who who can show who's shown that they can win and play very good quarterback in case Tua gets hurt again. Obviously, I hope that doesn't happen. Uh, you know. Outside of me being confused by it, I'm excited for him, obviously, to be able to get out on the field. I'm excited to kind of see this rookie debate now get sparked with what Tua does, what we've already seen out of Herbert, who, in my opinion, has actually played the best of the of him and Burrow so far. Like, Burrow looked great, but he's really kind of taken a step back. Now, maybe that's more because of how bad Cincinnati is, but I think Herbert's looked really good, and I, I'm interested to see how Tua kind of inserts his name into the conversation. So, should be a lot of fun. Uh, that's really it for us. So I do have one question for you before you get out of here on ESPN. This happened in my one of my big dynasty leagues. Um, a team was playing last night. I just want to know if you've ever seen this because I'm still kind of confused at what happened. Uh, going into the end of the game last night, there was a team winning. I'm trying to pull up the score. Okay, they were winning 136.62 to 136.52. Well, when the game ended, that was the final score, right? So the team that was 5-0 and at that point won. So they would go to 6-0, and 136.62. At some point in time, between that and about 4 o'clock this morning, when I was just looking to see how bad I lost by, the team that won last night, their score changed to 135.62. So they lost by less than a point, and nobody seems to know what happened. Have you ever seen anything like that? It's a stat correction. That quickly? Yeah, I mean, it's probably... Did they have players going last night? He did not. The team that ended up winning had Zeke going, but it was already done. Yeah, so, I mean, I would look on the ESPN list of stack corrections because on fantasy football they have stack corrections, and if you uh-huh. see something that involves one of his players, it sounds like he lost either a reception, got changed to a carry. You know, sometimes that happens after a game. They change... Uh, they look at the film and they ru- rule something to be a backwards lateral, which changes it to a carry because it sounds like he lost exactly one point, which makes yeah. you think he lost a reception. ESPN stat correction for where would I find it at? Uh, let me look. Usually for, under the fantasy football, they have a list of stat corrections. But that, I mean, to me, that's exactly what it sounds like if you're in PPR. Is. So, according to ESPN's website right now, it says no stat corrections for week six at this moment. Or no stat corrections to display, I'm sorry. Yeah, then I don't, because other than the stat correction, I don't know what it could be unless there was a bug in the way it was calculating their score. That could be it. Yeah, I was just curious. There's a whole big blow up in our chat about it. Everybody was all getting pissed off. I was like, I don't understand. It doesn't make any well, sense why he would have done it. So what you'd have to do is pull up the box score and look at the full stats, and then you're going to have to do some manual ads and see if well, I, add up. I, well, I am not. I am not the commissioner the, nor involved in that game. So whoever that's what the I league manager is, if there was that kind of, that's what I would do is pull it up, and then yeah. it's. It's a pain, but you're going to have to do some yeah. kind of manual um, look and see. Well, that's, that's what I told the commission he's going to have to do to keep it because the commission was in the game. The commission's the only team that ended up winning. And so that's where I think oh. everybody is really upset because they think – but I've known him for a long time, and he's not someone that's ever – 
he went to three and three. This win doesn't really help him at all. He's still outside the playoffs. So it doesn't make any sense to me, but they're all kind of up in arms about it. So I was just curious if you had ever seen it. So, Well, I mean, it, sound, it sounds like a stat correction or like a miscalculation on their part revo- involving a reception because yeah. to, he went from 136.62 to 135.62. You lost yeah. a, in PPR, you lost, a, yeah. you lost a reception. Yeah, because that's the most likely thing to have peeled back, and that happens from time to time. I've seen ESPN sometimes during live scoring accidentally give an overinflated value to something. Mm-hmm. Usually, they correct it during the day of. That's what's a little weird is that it settled after if he didn't have any Monday night players. That's what's a little yeah, weird. no, yeah, that and that's what everybody was upset about because the game had ended. And he lost because I saw I didn't see that they were all talking about it that night after I had gone to bed that hey I can't believe I lost to the number one team by by one point because Zeke could only get me twelve points or whatever and then I was looking at the scores I was like well wait a minute he he didn't lose he won and then I was kind of confused and then that started the whole thing so all right that will do it for us today though uh, me and Matt will be back on Thursday to preview apparently a thursday night football game i'm still not sure they're actually going to play it or not but eagles giants uh yeah it is what it is but we'll be back and we will preview that fox is currently deciding about whether they want to show the presidential debate to get more action you know actually i saw the commercial yesterday that you can double screen it now they've got a way that you can watch the football game and the presidential debate at one time they were all excited about that yesterday when i was watching the game is there a way that i can see neither there is World Series will be on. It's going to be a good game. Raise, raise Dodgers. I'm ready to fire that bad boy wow, up tonight. So. That actually might be the bigger Sophie's choice for Fox because they have the World Series too. One of them's on FS1. They're probably looking at it like, mm. put the World Series game on. See ya, Giants. Exactly. All right, we will be back on Thursday. Preview that game and any other NFL news that comes out. We will talk to you guys then. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your pop on there. I came out the wall wide already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throwing up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Only tackle in the 40-yard line. Who can make a play?